Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning. I am looking out the window of my studio in Fort Collins, and it is gorgeous out. It's going to be a beautiful weekend. Now, I understand there's a football game tomorrow. Actually, I'm a I'm a sports fan, too, as you all know, and I'll be watching it. But I'll tell you what, with this warm weather, we're going to be talking some ice fishing today. We're going to be talking some quite a bit of open water fishing, both fly fishing and conventional later in the show. And this is going to be a great weekend for you to get out. You know, tomorrow people are going to be having their Super Bowl, Super Bowl parties and things. If you want to get out and do some fishing tomorrow, probably aren't going to have very many people out in the water with you. And it's going to be warm and gorgeous. Tomorrow afternoon, if you're not a football fan, maybe just a great time to get out and enjoy some fishing right here in the front range of Colorado or even up in the mountains. A couple things I want to talk about. The... Uh, the avian flu, they did get, uh, they found the avian flu in both a bear and a mountain lion. So be a little cautious. If you see an animal that's not acting right, call CPW and let them know. Uh, hopefully we'll get this worked through and we'll get through this. I know it's getting better in domestic chickens now and eggs are even coming down in price. But it's uh, it's something to be on the lookout for and be a little cautious if an animal you encounter isn't acting right you may want to uh, call CPW and talk to them about it. Let's go to the phones. Joining us, one of our favorite contributors. I've done television shows with him. Uh, I've appeared up at his fly shop. He's been a, quite often calls this radio show and always has tremendous information. Kirk Bean from Kirk's Fly Shop. Good morning, Kirk. Morning, Terry. Is it as beautiful up in Estes as it is down here today? Yeah, it's it's awesome up here. I would bet that with this warm weather, now it's going to change in the middle of next week, but right now I would think the tailwaters of the Big Thompson have to be fishing fantastic. They are. It's uh, it's open maybe about three miles downstream right now, so not a lot open yet, but as it warms up here, I think we'll get a couple more miles opened up this week. That'll be fantastic. You know, you have another opportunity up there that it comes occasionally, and that's where the inlet comes into lake estes is that water available that is that's open pretty much from the water treatment plant to the lake and that's another stretch that really can fish pretty well now are you when you get those two areas are kind of different because one is fed by the treatment plant do you fish those differently do you use different techniques we do yeah it seems like the inlet there you can go a little bit bigger flies you don't have to go quite as small um the tailwater seems to be tinier stuff little midges and stuff like that when we get these different weather days do you get any dry fly action at either place or is it mostly just nymphing no both areas on a nice day um you'll get some midges coming off and you can get them hit on top pretty good you just got to go really tiny yeah, and going tiny doesn't lend itself. I love love to fish a dry dropper type rig, but that's difficult with midges, uh, isn't it? With uh, the tiny size of the flies, they don't support much. Right, right. So generally, even even if I'm uh, just fishing a, one of those little tiny midges, I'd I'd like to put a a bigger dry in front of it just so I can have an indication on where it's at. 
set the hook on anything that kind of bites around that fly rises. Yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more because I, with my old eyes, I, I, if I could throw a stone fly in a grasshopper all the time, I'd do a lot better. <laughs> right. Because I, I can see it so much better. But you really excel at fishing those small flies. You still using the same unweighted techniques down below in the tailwater? Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of changed it up a little bit. I do more jig flies as my lead heavy fly, and it, they don't seem to say... Um, snag up as much now explain what a jig fly is compared to a normal fly so a jig fly is the hook eye is just like a jig and then your um so your flat your hook will will float or will yeah float upward so it's not snagging on the bottom as a normal hook where the the bead is kind of uh in the middle of the hook and it just at the hook is, is down on the bottom and snags up a little bit more often. And I find, too, with jig flies, sometimes you get a little better hook set in the top of the mouth, too, don't you? Yeah, I do. I I think that for sure. Yeah. Now, when the jig flies, do you have an assortment of jig flies that represent uh, a number of different bugs? And um, are you buying little jigs and tying the flies? How are you, or are you just buying pre-made jig flies? I'm pretty much just buying pre-made jig flies. I tie some of them. Um, but yeah, there's an assortment in all like all the basic fly patterns like pheasant tail, hare's ear, stone fly imitations in the jigs. And then the one thing that you want to do with a jig fly is make sure you don't tie to the bend of the hook, or that kind of ruins the way that it rides. So if you're if you're going to do a dropper behind it, you want to tie directly to the eye, so that jig is going to um, have the same presentation as it would if it just was by itself. Now, do you sell jig flies at the store? We do, yes. Okay, good. So people are coming up. Well, people are coming up to fish the Big Thompson. They should stop at your store anyway. And if they're not getting a guide trip from you, they should at least get some information because you guys are fishing that river constantly. But do you expect this weather that's coming up in the middle of the week to change the fishing down in the Big Thompson much? Uh, no, normally on a snowy day or a front coming in, it could really even get better. Yeah, yeah, you'll tend to get some different hatches and things, won't you? Yeah, yeah. If it's cloudy, it seems like you get a little bit better surface action than you than you do on a sunny day. Yeah, I, I agree. You get more hatches coming off. I think, I don't know, Mother Nature just wants to get us out there when it's not as comfortable, I think. Kirk, I want right. to change gears on you real quick. Um, you're going to be at the uh, Denver Fly Show this coming weekend, next weekend, I believe, right? Right. And you'll have a booth there. What are you speaking on at the at the fly at the fly show? I'll be talking about fly fishing in Rocky Mountain National Park and areas to go to. And that's really one of the mainstays of your operation, isn't it? It is. Yeah, in the summertime, that's probably our main area that we take people is up in the park. Park is really a draw. You know, I find the park is such a beautiful place. Now, until I started fishing with you, I, I kind of thought about it as the essence of fly fishing where you're in this beautiful place and it looks so incredible, but you catch a lot of little fish. Then I started hanging out with you and I started catching big fish up there. So you changed my view of the park. But there's such a variety of fishing up in that park, isn't there? There is. There is. There's some little small small fish in some of the small streams and then there can be some bigger fish in the small streams kind of next to lakes and stuff where they can grow bigger. 
and even the alpine lakes themselves can be great, great fishing. But what time of the year do you start venturing into the park for fishing? Typically, I know it'll. Yeah, there's kind of an early window in April that fish is pretty good, but then you kind of got to wait till after runoff. Um, I would say mid June through October is my favorite time to fish the park. And you do um, other trips up there, including uh, backpacking and you take llamas. Describe all the things you offer for people going in the park. Yeah, we do overnight llama pack, overnight backpack um, trips up there. We provide all the tent sleep bags, all the meals and gear. We do day trips to pretty much anywhere in the park. um, And we even do hiking trips up there. And that's you don't have to fish. You can. You you guide fishing trips as much as they want, but it doesn't have to be a fishing trip. And one of the things, because you're um, you're permitted for the park, you don't have to go through the reservation system, right? Yeah, that's been really nice the last few years. Um, if you can't get couldn't get a reservation, you could just go with one of our guides, and we can get you into those spots. And and it's almost a little nicer now with the reservation system. It's not quite as busy as it used to be in certain areas. Yeah, that's good. So you'll be talking about that at the fly show. Are you going to be there? I think the fly show is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Are you going to be there all three days? Yep, we'll be there. And you got your setup. Will you have your jig flies there? <coughs> no, they work too good. <laughs> we'll be selling the right. discounted flies. So okay. there for sure. But I'll, I'll probably have right. you. Yeah. All right. And you'll be talking there. So if people want to book a trip with you or they want to get some information. Oh, by the way, one last thing. Are you fishing the Colorado at all right now? Or are you pretty much done with that till spring? Um, no, we haven't been on it lately. Uh, generally, we start kind of in March over there on the Colorado. Okay. So if people want to find you. Tell them where your shops are located and how they find your operation. Yeah, we got one shop in Estes Park right on Main Street next to the Dairy Queen and then one shop in Grand Lake right on Main Street next to the Dairy King. You like ice cream shops, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love ice cream. What's your what's your website? Uh dot com. All right, my friend. We do need to uh get back out in the water together one of these days. We haven't done it for far too long. That's for sure. I'd love to go. All right. Thanks, Kirk. Thanks, Terry. <clears throat> Kirk Bean, always, uh, I'll tell you what, folks, you want to fish with somebody that is just patient and will <clears throat> put you on fish and teach you techniques and uh, knows the waters he fishes. Kirk is just a phenomenal, his whole operation. I've been, <clears throat> excuse me, I've been fortunate enough to do several trips with Kirk. In fact, if you go to my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom on YouTube, that features actually television shows that Karen has cleaned the commercials out of and freshened up a little bit that go on our YouTube channel, and a lot of that was filmed right here in your backyard. Now, we did do trips from the Arctic Circle to the equator, but a lot of it was filmed right here. And we did uh, we did a, um, a llama trip with Kirk. We did a high alpine lake trip with Kirk, up in the, both up in the park. We did a winter fly fishing. In fact, right around this time of the year with Kirk, uh, just down from Estes in the Dripping Springs area, where we just, 
it was so phenomenal. The fish were stacked up. Um, we, we tried to make a point to make sure that we, you know, made the right presentations because you could have even fall hooked them if you weren't careful. But you wouldn't have had to move from area to area if you didn't want to. The way the fish were stacked up in that big Thompson, uh, they didn't, uh, you didn't even spook the fish if you were downstream casting up or quartering. You didn't even spook the fish by casting and catching a fish out of there. And we actually kind of moved just to try different techniques in different areas. So Big Thompson right now, I would think, would just be a phenomenal spot. And there's quite a bit of public access up by the dam. So that's a great opportunity. I've never fished where it comes into the lake. Another thing we're going to do later on in the show today with um, Chabla Chance in the second hour, we're going to talk about open water fishing as a whole for trout, both in tailwaters, which are available now, and as the ice starts to recede from from many of the uh, many of the front range lakes. Now we've got really good ice right now. It's going to take some good warm weather in a while, so it'd be a great time to get out ice fishing. In fact, it's really comfortable out there ice fishing right now uh, because you don't even really need a heavy jacket if you go out during the day on a day like today. The sun will be shining. It's not going to degrade the ice to any amount that you have to worry about as long as you're on good, safe ice to start with. Always check it to be sure. But you can be out there. You don't need any extra heavy clothing. And, you know, you can find some open holes. They're not going to freeze up. be a great time to just venture out with a rod and reel and Put a rod, put a down the hole and see if you can catch some trout. You might find you really like ice fishing, but you can do it comfortably right now up and down the front range. Uh, but we're going to transition that one later in the next hour when Chad LaChance comes on. And we're going to talk about not only fishing tailwaters with conventional and fly gear, but also as these lakes open up, as the shoreline recedes, that offers a tremendous opportunity for fishing. We're going to talk about that. We'll take a time out. When we come back... We're going to take you up to 11 Mile Reservoir, get a report there, and find out some activities they have going on on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Jax has locations up and down the front range. In fact, they're going to join us later in the show to talk about the winter clothing. You still need to dress right for those outdoor activities. They're going to give us some tips on that. Right now, let's go to the phones. And joining us from 11 Mile Reservoir is uh, Darcy Mount. Good morning, Darcy. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing great. Uh, the sun is shining. It's beautiful. Are, are you experiencing decent weather at 11 Mile? You know, it is a... Beautiful, sunny, balmy, 11 degrees. Um, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have an event coming up, and I want to talk about the ice fishing. But prior to that, let's tell people, in case they're new to the area, just where 11 Mile is located and kind of describe the park. Yeah, so we are west of Colorado Springs on Highway 24, um, between Colorado Springs and Fair Play on Highway 24, um, Lake George area. And a nice hour and 20-minute drive from Colorado Springs or from Denver if you come down 285 through Fair Play. Um, either way is uh, paved and well-managed roads. And you have other, we talk about the fishing and stuff, but you have year-round camping there, right? We do. We have less in the winter, but we still have some electric sites and some primitive sites on both sides. 
um, just like normal make a reservation. And uh, we have less, but we, we still have plenty. And then there's other activities there, too. In fact, one that I was really surprised, and you and I were talking earlier in the week, you have an ice rink there. Tell me we about do, that. We do have an ice rink. It's been up for, I think this is the third year, um, and it's getting a ton of use. It's just um, outside the marina um, where they would normally have their boats, just past that. And it's it's an outdoor one, obviously, so it's not zamboni but uh, they groom it. The marina helps us and grooms it with a plow and um, keeps it up and it's getting a lot of use from local kids for hockey clubs and um, just people wanting to play. That sounds fantastic. You know, I, I, well, I used to say I grew up in northern Minnesota. My wife reminds me that I got older there than I never grew up. But, <laughs> but, but we get the winter weather all, you know, six, eight months. And we had outdoor ice rinks in every schoolyard. And that was, you know, where other people played pickup basketball, we played hockey. I mean, it was... It was really yeah. amazing. Uh, you also have, uh, I, I, you, when you and I were talking, you said on the lake itself, you actually have some snowshoe and, and cross-country skiing opportunities. Yeah, the lake is open for any of those. Um, right now, we do have snow on top of the ice, which once we get that, it generally stays because the uh, ice keeps it cold enough that it doesn't really melt off. And we've probably got five inches of, of snow all across the lake right now. So it would be perfect for snowshoeing and um, skiing. We have a trail system that doesn't usually hold the snow, um, but we do get quite a few people coming out to snowshoe across the lake. All right. I know you have an event coming up, but before that, let's talk about ice fishing. You said okay. this year has had what you call the weirdest ice. Yeah, um, it's firmed up good now. I would call it much better, but we had some issues with the pressure ridges opening up during the day. Um, the depth of the ice, the thickness of the ice is different all over. Normally, it's pretty consistent. Um, but we can have 18 inches in one place, and then you go a few feet, and it's maybe 12. Or, um, But the pressure ridges were opening up, so we would have open water. Uh, we had quite a few people fall through those because they looked good in the morning, and then by afternoon they had um, thinned up and people were falling through them. So um, it's definitely different, but I think it's getting better as far as the safety. As long as you avoid those um, pressure ridges, you should be fine. And there are, we have a fishing tournament today, there are easily 200 huts out there, um, and there's plenty of room for them. All right, and I've heard the fishing has been exceptional at 11 Mile this year. Yeah, it's been really good. The coconut are starting to hit. Um, I mean, of course, you've always, day to day, you never really know, but we are, a gentleman um, got his cap on, or his limit on coconut yesterday by 10 a.m., and he came at 7, so... Um, that's pretty good. Trout are hitting good. Pike, you know, pike or pike in the winter. Um, but we are pulling some out. Yeah, it's just a great fishery, and it can be sometimes difficult. Like any fishery, it can be difficult at times, but it can also yeah. produce some incredibly nice fish. You get some big rainbows and browns out of there, and the kokanee can be a lot of fun. Let's talk yeah. about your event, though. You got a. This is going to be. This is your going to be your first attempt at having a winter festival out at the lake. Is that right? Yeah, we decided we wanted to come up with some different opportunities, try to introduce more people to things that you can do out here. Um, we've got we've partnered with our marina. Um, they have sponsored a skate rental place out of Salida that's coming, um, and you don't have to rent them. You can just borrow them for um, – there's no fee attached to come out on the ice rink. You can play hockey with our skating ranger, Kelly. She's going to shoot the puck around with people. Um our mascot, Albert, is coming out, and he's going to skate with the kids. 
We've got games. Um, Colorado Lottery's coming. You can play cornhole for lottery tickets. Um, Shields is coming out with an ask, ask an expert table. So if you have um, questions, both of the people who are coming uh, fish regularly at 11 miles so they know the area. Um, our wildlife officer will be here, and we've got a, a bunch of games, everything from Plinko to a unique version of curling. Um, and yeah. we'll have a food truck, or actually it's not a food truck, it's a barbecue, that the proceeds from that barbecue go to a nonprofit called Fishing Has No Boundaries. Um, so it's, we're, we're hoping we get some good attendance. Right now, looks like the weather's going to be good, but of course, you know, it's a few days out, so things change. We and, are in Colorado. And that's on the 18th from 10 to 2? Correct. That's next Saturday. Next Saturday, yep. Explain, when you said a unique form of curling, you told me, what. Well, tell people what you're doing with the curling. Yeah, so um, I've always wanted to go curling, but I know nothing about it. But um, we are taking the breakwaters. We have two different sizes, one's for adults, one for kids. Our broken breakwater buoys, which are about you know, three and a half foot tall, um, we've waxed them up like skis, and you can shoot them across a course um, using a push broom. And so it's going to be your own unique, and that'll be during the event. Yep, yep. All right, and is there any charge for any of this other than getting into the park? Nope, it's all free. And I, I also believe that um, you're doing some things, some of the proceeds from, I, I, there's a fundraiser involved with this? Yeah, that's that Fishing With No Boundaries, which is a nonprofit that gets accessibility for, pe for people for fishing um, from all different sorts of disabilities. What, there's no criteria as to what your disability has to be, but they raise money and try to make sure that all, everybody gets access to fishing. I know. They're a great organization. Yeah. I've worked with them in the past myself, uh, doing where we took the kids out in the boats that yep. we actually took the wheelchairs right out. In fact, one of the events I did many, many years ago, we took kids from Craig's Hospital out on Spinney Mountain. Yeah. And this was, this was like 20, 30 years ago. I don't know. It was a long time ago. Yeah, they and still do that. They come bo to both lakes um, during the summer, and um, we're really happy to make contacts with them. And you know, if they're an awesome organization. So we're happy that they're going to come out and, uh, try to raise some money because that's sort of the whole point, right? Is to get the most people who can get on the lake can get on the lake. I'll tell you a quick story. Um, when I took a kid out from one of those events on Spinney, and usually you just want to get them out and get them catch some fish, and they're just glad to be there. Well, this kid had been in a wheelchair for I don't know how many years, uh, and he he could he could reel a rod in, but he couldn't cast. So he wanted to catch. I said, well, what are you thinking today? He goes, I want to get a great big brown trout. I'm thinking, well, you know, this isn't going to be, you know, you don't just catch those anytime you go out, especially. But I thought, well, we'll give it our best shot. And we fished all day, and we had about a half hour left. And all I could do was set him up to troll and hold the rod and try to troll the weed edges. And all of a sudden, his rod bent over, and it was about a 27-inch brown trout. Oh, that's perfect. And and we went in, and that kid stayed in contact with me for about 10 years, telling me how much he enjoyed that event. Oh, it just really, I, I get tears in my eyes now. Anyway, 
better let me go so I can go to a break. Your event is uh, next Saturday from 10 to 2, but the ice fishing is going strong right now. You got camping, you got skating, you got cross-country skiing. People just need to get out and enjoy the park. Absolutely. All right, Darcy, you have a good rest of the weekend. Thank you. Thanks, Terry, you too. Bye-bye. You bet. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to talk about potential changes to the allocations of big game licenses right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. is sucking up to me playing a lot of Eagles songs, Ty. You're doing a great job. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Let's go to the phones, and joining us from CPW is Jonathan Boydston. Good morning, Jonathan. Hey, Terry. Good to be with you. Good to be with you. We're going to discuss something that <clears throat> I want to make sure we define it right, Uh we do. We go through the big game draw process every year in Colorado, and there's deadlines and there's changes to the hunting season and things that have gone on <clears throat> over the years. Excuse me, but we're talking about the allocation of licenses that we're looking at changing. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So, I, and, and I would say really broadly, the license distribution of big game licenses, and, and that that involves a few things. Um, so first of all, as you said, license allocation between residents of Colorado and non-residents. And then also, uh, we, we have also been reviewing preference point systems and then also uh, kind of tied into some of these discussions as well because it's also interconnected, um, also over-the-counter licenses. But yeah, that's correct that we have been reviewing uh, the allocation between residents and non-residents, which is an important topic for a lot of folks. Well, and all these topics are important. And what precipitated this? Was this just suddenly you thought there was a problem or has this been in discussion for a while and you thought it was the right time to start making a move? Yeah, good question. So a lot of folks have been um, uh, curious about uh, license allocation processes and license distribution, preference point systems, over-the-counter licenses. These, these conversations come up uh, quite a bit in our conversations about big game licenses, uh, big game seasons. And so um, a lot of our, your listeners will know about our big game season structure planning process. That's kind of when we set the season dates and timing for big game seasons. Um, we, we go through that planning process uh, every uh, about five years recently and at the last uh, last stage of that when we um, set the 2020 to 2024 big game seasons uh, that we're in right now um, the parks and wildlife commission uh, got a lot of feedback from members of the public who were uh, wanting us to review license allocation between residents and non-residents preference points and so forth uh, and they and they made the decision to uh, kind of take that separately from the game season structure setting uh, and ask us as CPW uh, during this current big game season structure to review all of these different processes related to uh, big game license distribution. And just to be clear, the changes you're looking at, if any, to make <clears throat> would be for 2024, not for this year. That's right. Most of the changes that we're, we're talking about today would be for 2024 big game hunting season. Um, there is a recent change that the Parks and Wildlife Commission did make that will be effective for this 2023 big game season, um, which is related to the, um, you know, for license allocation. And again, as some of your listeners will know, uh, we, we have two different splits 
for non-residents and resident allocations in Colorado. Most big game licenses, deer and elk licenses, are drawn out at 65% residents, 35% non-resident. There's also high demand hunt codes, though, as well, um, that go 80% to residents, 20% to non-residents, if those uh, hunt codes require, on average, more than uh, six preference points or six or more preference points. Uh, the, the change that was made for this year, 2023, has to do with how we determine those high demand hunt codes. So uh, in November of 2022, the, the commission updated the years we use uh, to, to determine uh, the, the uh, high demand hunt codes, basically. So we're using um, current years with, a, with a, a one year lag. So that, in effect, means quite a few hunt codes will go into that new 80 or that 80 percent resident, 20 percent non-resident high demand hunt code. Now, you kind of touched on a few things. Are there other things you're looking at you want to share with us before we talk about the process? Yeah, sure. So the the commission uh, and the division have also been looking at a few other alternatives related to license allocation and then also preference points as well. So for license allocation, there's a couple things that have been discussed, which is, uh, well, first of all, um, I, I just talked about that high demand Splits. Uh, that's currently 80% resident, uh, 20% non-resident. There's been discussions about moving that to 90% resident, 10% non-resident. There's also another suggestion, another alternative out there to go to one across the board split. So all uh, deer, elk, pronghorn, and bear licenses would be drawn out at 75% residents, 25% non-residents. So there's those two, those two alternatives for allocation. Also looking at a couple of preference points uh, options. Um, all, all of these alternatives um, are just being reviewed at this time, so it's, uh, nothing, uh, nothing is set um, as far as uh, whether or not anything will be adopted. Uh, but the commission is looking at preference point banking, uh, which was something that was tried in the past, and then also averaging of group preference points. So those are the two preference point alternatives that are being looked at now. Now, and it's uh, just for my clarification, what uh, all of these changes are looking looked at as being fairly revenue neutral. Is that right? Well, so I think any time that you make a change to well, really any of our big game uh, license distribution systems, but certainly for license allocation between non-residents and residents, because there is quite a, a big difference between how much more uh, non-residents pay compared to re residents, there will be a financial impact on Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Um, and we did run a, a financial analysis, though, and that's been uh, discussed with the Parks and Wildlife Commission as they've been considering some of these changes. And so there would be a, a loss for CPW for a couple of these, for example, those license allocation changes going to either 90-10 for the high demand split or going to one across the board split of 75-25. Um, there, there would be a loss for CPW, but it is something that we are still moving forward uh, considering that the, the commission is still considering at this time. Now, if people want to get involved, there's still time. That That's correct, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We definitely want people to give us their feedback about these changes. The, the, the uh, main thing I, I want to get across today is for people to go to engagecpw.org. That's our public engagement website for Colorado Parks and Wildlife. And on that site, there's a, there's a few different uh, uh, things you can comment on there, give us your input on. Uh, but for license distribution, specifically for big game licenses, there's a comment form that's going to be open through February 20th. So for your listeners, please go to engagecpw.org 
and you'll be able to find that license distribution area with that comment form where we'll ask you a few questions on your thoughts about these uh, different uh, options I've mentioned today. And again, that's open. That comment form is open through February 20th. That's right. So people, if you, if you are interested or concerned or excited about what we've just talked about, go to that engagecpw.org and you've got till the 20th to give your public input on it. Uh, any last comments, Jonathan? Well, again, just go to Engage CPW for not just license distribution, uh, public engagement, but uh, there's going to be a, a number of different topics that the public can get engaged on through Engage CPW. So be on the lookout uh, in the future. I already talked a little bit about big game season structure related to license distribution. We're also going to be talking about big game season structure for this upcoming big game season structure cycle that starts in 2025. We're going to ask for the public's opinion about that starting here pretty soon. So uh, stay tuned and, and check out engagecpw.org for more information. All right, my friend, thank you. That's all great information because... Most outdoor enthusiasts are very passionate and they have opinions, so I'm I'm sure they'll go here and they'll they'll give us their comments. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks, Terry. Have a good one. You bet, uh, Jonathan Boydston. And you know what? Uh, go to Engage CPW, whether it's on this license allocation issue or whether it's on another topic. See if you can get engaged. You know, there's a lot of political pressures on hunting and fishing and things. This is your chance to be involved in the process and. It will alert you to what's being considered, too, and there may be alternative ways to get engaged. All that will be available, so go take a look at that website. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, Brad Peterson is going to join us, and we're going to talk ice fishing. We're going to talk about a new fishing newsletter he has out and maybe a little update on the, how Waterfall finished up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan. <laughs> Got you down and the world's crashing all around. You can always count on me. And hopefully you can count on, on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors to bring you the great outdoor information. Count on, count on Me, by the way, is a song I wrote that's part of the Wickstrom and Dobrith um, EP that was released about a year ago. Go search Wickstrom and Dobrith on the web and or your favorite streaming service. We have quite a few songs out. And right now, let's go to the phones, though. Even though we were listening to Brad Peterson's favorite song, he wants to talk outdoors. Is that right, Brad? <laughs> That's absolutely my favorite Wickstrom and Dobra song. <laughs> it's probably the only one you know. <laughs> no, you played a few more than that on the radio here. Yeah, we have. All right, Brad, we got a few things we want to cover. I want to talk about current conditions. I want to talk about the new newsletter you launched. But first of all, let's wrap up, kind of put the bow on waterfall season. Uh, goose season really comes to an end pretty close. There'll still be the conservation season, but the main seasons are winding down, right? They are. Uh, duck season is already closed. Uh, goose season in the northeast region closes tomorrow. And then the conservation season will start up uh, the 13th and run through the end of April for the areas east of I-25. So if you still have the urge to get out, uh, you are able to go out and chase snow geese. For those people looking to get out, uh, for Canadians here either this afternoon or tomorrow, um, 
we have with this warmer weather had a few birds move back up from the south so there are a few more birds around but uh, with the warmer temperatures i would say your best bet is if you've got an opportunity to get out into a field that's where you ought to go they're coming back to roost on the river but it's it's pretty late at night and uh, a lot of times it's after shooting hours all right so there's opportunities and that snow goose by the way it's difficult to time that migration sometimes, but if you hit it right, the sky can get black with white geese, if that's an oxymoron or not. So it's a great opportunity. It just can be frustrating timing at sometimes. Let's talk about current ice fishing conditions. What are you seeing out there? Up here in the, you know, kind of north of the Denver area, along the Front Range, we're holding pretty good. We've got about uh, eight to nine inches of ice still. The top, oh, I'd say three inches are kind of a snow ice with the bottom being a, a better clear ice. So I think we're going to be pretty good uh, holding out as far as our our ice thickness. You are seeing a little bit of melting along the shoreline, especially where there's cattails and rocks and those areas heat up a little bit more. So be a little careful getting on and off the ice. But with the cold front we've got coming up, uh, I think we're going to have ice holding on for at least another week to 10 days up here. And that, that can provide for some really good fishing. That late season ice fishing can be a lot of fun. Well, it really can. As the water starts to flow in under the ice, <clears throat> it reoxygenates the water, gets the bug life going, which gets the bait fish moving, which gets the predator fish moving. And the two best, usually the two best times to ice fish are early and late ice. And, you know, with good ice here on the front range, or at least, Fishable ice, always be careful, like you said. Never assume it's safe. But a lot of times you can be out, like on Boyd or some of the other lakes, with just a, a light jacket on and, and a pair of boots. You, I mean, you don't need a heavy suit like a lot of times I wear when I'm ice fishing. It's it's fun and it's comfortable, right? Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it's something that people from your home state of Minnesota just are not familiar with being out on the ice, uh, you know, I'll see people out there in shorts and T-shirts as, you know, we get these warm days that are in the 50s. Now, I'm not quite that crazy, but, um, you know, it it is a lot more comfortable. It's a good time to take kids out. And, uh, you know, as long as you're practicing the safety. And what you're saying about that water flowing in and reoxygenating it, the one thing I think mistake a lot of anglers make is you know we start fishing shallow early ice and then we move out deep and a lot of people are still out fishing deep i was over by saint Vrain yesterday and the people catching the fish were the ones up near the shoreline because that fresh water coming in all that bug life starting to to get active up shallow again so a lot of times those fish move from the basin back up to the shallows again so if you're having trouble finding fish out deep, go back to looking in shallow where you're catching them first ice. Oh, yeah, no question. Uh, that's a great opportunity. The other thing you do have to be a little careful of, and I know you noted this in your newsletter, we're going to start seeing some snow melt and some river flows coming in as they release water uh, up in the mountains to be ready to capture. So we're going to see the water levels changing in lakes, which can affect the ice, especially by shore. That it, it can. You know, when those water levels raise, not only by the inlet does it open up some, some create some open water, but along the shorelines, it creates an issue. So those afternoons, 
you can have the shoreline go bad. But the other thing is, as anyone who's been in Colorado for a long time knows, springtime is wind in Colorado. So if you get some of that little bit of open water happening and then you get a a heavy uh, wind blow happening, that can sure take ice off quick or really weaken some up. So just be careful with that uh, and keep an eye on it. I know right now Pruitt and Sterling are both getting water in them. And, uh, you know, the one lake that kind of down in the metro area that is rising slowly is Chatfield. So that's another one to kind of keep an eye on right there. Any lakes up here in the northern part of the state, large or small, that there's a decent bite if somebody wants to run out in the next couple of days? You know, the three spots I'd kind of say is um, starting from the further south, St. Vrain Ponds is still producing a lot of trout and a lot of panfish. Uh, we always talk about it, but it's just such a great opportunity with such diversity. As you go a little further north, the Loveland area, Boyd's been fishing tough the whole ice season. But Lawn Hagler has been fishing really good for trout and the white bass. A lot of the people are fishing kind of that dam area. So that's where I would kind of stick to and towards that south end. And then as you go a little bit further north, probably your best opportunity is going to be Douglas. They're catching some bigger trout and some some walleye and sauger up in there. So those are kind of the three areas along the front range I would I'd keep an eye on. I have not been getting much reports out in the Northeast. It doesn't seem like people have been traveling out that way to fish any of the big reservoirs. All right, let's switch gears while we still have time. You've started a new outdoor report. Um, Tell me about it. It's called uh, the NOCO News. Tell me about it. Yeah, it's the NOCO Fishing News, and um, I just started it in January. And what the goal is is to get quick and up-to-date information on current conditions out to the anglers who fish that area, along with incorporating some fishing tips and then also some information that, you know, maybe people have had a tough time finding or getting on the stocking of these lakes. Um, And then looking at some of the trends that are happening through the sampling of the fisheries. So, that's the main goal is just to get some good information out there. And this year it's, you know, it's, it's going to be key. We've had low water in certain lakes. So those lakes might have some issues going on as far as the fish numbers and just, uh, you know, when are the boat ramps going to open? What's your water temperature happening? You know, when are the lakes starting to fill that type of information can really play a big key. Just Boyd Lake, for example, when that water starts coming in, those white bass move in, and if you can get there, it can be some of the best fishing of the year. Yeah, I'm looking at the current issue, I believe, the one you just emailed recently, and you're talking about some panfish through the ice. You give a tip on how to lower your jig down to avoid line twist, which um, a lot of people don't know that studies have shown if that jig spins horizontally, uh, it, it can uh, detract from the bite, and you gave some good tips on that. You're talking about the walleye biomass and some of the bigger lakes around Colorado. And then you have some CPW news and some uh, some fishing tip presentations. So how does somebody go about signing up, Brad? If you want to sign up, you can go to nocofishingnews.substack.com. 
or if you're driving right now and you can't remember that, I just put a post on my Brad Peterson Outdoors Facebook page that contains a link that can get you right to there. All you have to do is subscribe. It's free. Um, and each new newsletter, which is going to be targeted for kind of that Tuesday, Wednesday time frame, will be sent to you in your email. And, uh, you know, hopefully this helps anglers get out to catch a few more fish. All right, my friend. Great, uh, great venture you've got there. Hope people take advantage of it. <clears throat> Thanks for joining us today, Brad. All right. Thanks a lot, Terry. You bet. Brad Peterson, always a great resource. Check him out at Brad Peterson Outdoors. You know, he guides both waterfall and fishing, and he's <clears throat> a very accomplished angler and a great contributor to this show. Speaking of great contributors, we're going to take a quick time out, and one of our favorite, most qualified contributors will join us, uh, Mr. Nate Zielinski on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.